Warning, this podcast contains spoilers, but you shouldn't care. Welcome to Hey James, Watch This, a celebration of mediocrity. In this, and indeed every episode, Russ and Fry will try to convince their friend James why he should watch an absolutely unnecessary film. Hey James, Watch This. Hi everybody, welcome to Hey James, Watch This. I am James. I'm Russ. And I'm Fry. And I really want to talk about Hellraiser. <laughs> if oh we God. must. Okay, there are two sections to this discussion. The first <laughs> one is, as usual, just sort of reading my stream of consciousness notes. And I'll go through those briefly. And then I want to talk about Clive Barker adaptations. <laughs> um, okay. Right off the bat, we see this Joey kid who's the guy that dies in the beginning. Uh, I guess he's a prostitute or something. I don't know. And um, Joey... Who wears a tank top and dad jeans to an orgy, bud? Come on. Better Just, question. Who impressed. is named Joey? His, the, that no, guy. no. I mean, I it, mean like, that's, no. That's the name he does business by. That's, that's not, not a name. name. Jo- jo- you, you can be Joe. You can be Joseph. No one is Joey above the age of seven. I, I think, would I tend think to agree. You, could, you could see a reason to go. Like he's, a, he's specializing in his market. That's part of his advertising. He's like, hey, want to have some fun with Joey? Remember that old Simpsons line with Joey, Joe, Joe, Jr. Shabadoo? I was like, yeah, Joey. That's, <laughs> your name is a joke. Well, he, and now he's dead. Um, <laughs> and and I, was, I was starting to write like some mean things about this. And I was like, okay, the puzzle box is pretty cool. I think right? they did a really good job with the puzzle box. Then when the main protagonists are introduced, my immediate thought was these people are completely unbearable. <laughs> like, I, can't, I don't know how they can stand to be around each other. Do you not feel like they were like picking the roommate situation with the dartboard? <laughs> it's yeah. like, and we need a disabled First Nations person. Boom. I was, and then I was like, okay, so is there an Oscar for an unlikable protagonist? Like, you just kind of wonder. I'm sure there's an award for it somewhere. If not, that could be our niche. We could give out an award for the most unlikable protagonist. Oh, we should. God damn That's it. It's Steve idea. Jobs again. Fifth year in a <laughs> row. <laughs> That'll be my vote, but uh, it's a it's a multi-party system. Okay, I want to talk about how they were trying to open that safe. <laughs> <laughs> I love, love, love the idea that these dummies, except for, uh, what was her boyfriend's name? Trevor. Trevor. Trevor for life. That guy is the only one in the movie who has any kind of damn sense. Trying to open a safe by pounding on it with a sledgehammer in the direction that the door swings shut. That's what you do. Is, not going to open a safe. And neither, I think, will his crowbar. That's a really bad safe. So, yeah. But regardless, they get into it and they get the puzzle box. Oh, I also wrote these people are as sharp as a bag of spoiled milk. But that was just me being bitter. And I wrote many, many little snippets about how much the dialogue sucks in this movie. It is really bad. Like, you could argue the Cenobites have some good lines. But outside of that... I hated it. Uh, I was bored to tears in Act Two. Two tears. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a slog, isn't it? Yeah. This movie was an hour long, and I swear to God, I thought it was like three hours long until I checked the time. <laughs> I was like, "Are oh, you gotta be kidding me?" I'm only this. It was, much it was ninety minutes, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, like yeah, uh, I don't. I remember seeing an hour on my. Oh, maybe that was, was probably how much time was time. left. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was about thirty minutes too long. <laughs> I do. I remember pausing the movie at one point and then thinking to myself, 
how have I only watched that much? It feels like it's been yeah, forever. Yeah, it really does feel like that. I need to start getting light in my room. I can't read. I was going to say, you are a floating orb in the darkness. Here we go. <laughs> oh, okay. For, for listeners, he has pulled out the flashlight on his phone like my <laughs> grandmother at Denny's. <laughs> I want I want to make sure our listeners do know we haven't spent a ton of time describing the recording environments, but as you might think by this description, James is not actually out in the middle of the woods recording <laughs> this a- alone and away from civilization. He is in a house that I know has lights in it. Yeah, he but just you just you just to gonna, turn them on. You're just going to burn the bulbs out. So <laughs> I spend I spend the next couple of paragraphs talking about how, just basically talking shit about the main character Riley and all the bad and dumb and wrong decisions. And I don't just mean like, "Oops, you made a mistake." I mean objectively doing the worst thing you could possibly do in the situation. There's that scene where the the lawyer uh, slash fixer for the rich guy, it, you know, they they meet her when in, in the hospital. She's on the oxygen. Trevor leaves for five seconds, and she's immediately marked for death by the set of bites. Yeah. That's how bad Riley is. So, I, And I don't know why anyone sticks up in this movie for her, especially her brother's boyfriend. I do not understand why he likes her. He should be the meanest person in the whole movie to her. Uh, and then I said I was bored again. And then at one point, Riley, the, the main protagonist that I hate very much as a character, by the way, I think the actress actually did a really good job of playing her because I really don't like that character. <laughs> um, at one point, the character says, I don't need help. And I just wrote LOL in the biggest font I could on the page. <laughs> yeah. And then I said, yes, you do. You silly something. I am a big fan of the whole free the nipple thing. And so is Riley. And I was there for it the entire movie. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't actually care. That's not. I'm talking about her, her character. I, her personality as a character is bad and wrong. I said what I said. Yeah, that's fine. I don't have... <laughs> I actually am pretty neutral on that because this movie was not. Uh, it, <laughs> there's a lot of skin showing in this movie. <laughs> well, there's also <laughs> and muscle and bone, and <laughs> sometimes they wear it as a hat. Yeah. yeah. Did you like the oh, suits? Yeah. The suits tailored to fit Tom Waits's music box. I. Oh, that was so dumb. It was exactly as you described it. It is a rectangular thing jammed through his chest, ro- his chest, rolling his nerves around. It was exactly <laughs> as you yeah. described it. I, I got to say, it, the movie delivered, and if I wasn't in such a bad mood and bored by that point in the movie, I probably would have found it very entertaining, because it was really well done for as dumb as an idea as it was. It was well done. This is like, I bet about halfway through the third act, all I wanted was for like Guts, or Constantine, or some other notable <laughs> demon slayer to show up and just waste these Cenobites, so all these people would have to go home and live with their shitty lies because of their bad decisions and then i wanted trevor to stop working for that guy and and break up with with the protagonist and just go off and do his own adventures because he's the only person in the whole movie who has any sense when you said guts i thought you were talking about like viscera and not the character character, from berserk the character from berserk with the giant sword that kills demons that's but i can see where that got confusing and that's a good clarification yeah, and I just, and then I talked about how the movie is too long for uh, quite some time. Oh, yeah, and at one point, I don't remember exactly what this is referencing, but I said, give him your fucking belt, Riley, you dimwit. <laughs> uh, oh, God, there's more. Uh, I just wrote bad dialogue a couple times in a row. And, oh, yeah, and then Trevor's a traitor, don't care, Trevor for life. 
But you really loved Trevor. I do not think that's what the movie was aiming for. It's not that I really liked him. It's just that compared to the other characters, he's the only one who acted like a human being. Yeah, I don't like, think this movie wants you rooting for Trevor. I, I think it has failed on a I fundamental level there. I don't think it's a moral failing to trick people that are this stupid. Um, <laughs> and then I ended this with... The problem with this movie, I, well, okay, one of the many problems with this movie, aside from the fact that it did not in any way need to be made, but that's okay. The problem with this movie is that I don't think the type and casting of helplessness that they give to most of the main characters is particularly compelling. Hmm. Like, I want to see them struggle against the darkness hmm. and fail is fine, but I don't want to see them just sort of like ding dong their way into like, you know, hell, like that's kind of dumb. That's okay if it happens in the beginning, but it, every single death is like, oops, a trip and fell into <laughs> hell. Like, it's yeah. so Yeah, stupid. like once you're marched, you, you don't have any fight left. It's just like, oh, you're going to get dragged to hell right away. Yeah, they should at least be, you know, like running, which they, some people try, but it's so dumb. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I said, if this movie was 30 minutes, maybe it would be worth recommending. He <laughs> <laughs> cut out all the unnecessary stuff. The Cenobites were good. I liked the design of the Cenobites. I thought their dialogue was good. I thought maybe they you could see them a little too clearly, but that was never but this was never a Hellraiser thing to hide the monster. You always see the Cenobites. So I don't know. I, I I thought the special effects were good. The script is terrible. Absolutely just awful and rough. Uh and then at the very end, they break the rules. Because they use that last configuration to grant two wishes. Yep. And that seems like bullshit. It like does deep. seem like bullshit. Yeah, it se- and it, de- it seems like bullshit. So now I want to talk about, unless anyone has any comments about that, I would like to talk about the nature of Clive Barker's movies adaptations. Other than they suck? Well, there's one exception, and that, that, I, and that is Midnight Meat Midnight Train! Meat Train. The rest but he of didn't the movie direct adaptation. No, he did yeah. not. Uh, I, well, he didn't direct this either. I don't think. No, right? no. I was, so, I was thinking. So, I was thinking of the ones he directed. I'm not pointing the finger at Clyde Barker here because I do think. So, and I haven't. And the reason is because I've never read any of his stories firsthand. So what I might do, as a result of watching this stupid movie, is read Midnight Meat Train and see if I like his style, right? Because. Yeah, as you said, Russ, most of his movie adaptations are absolutely terrible. So, I've never seen Midnight Meat Train, nor any of the other Hellraisers. None Midnight of this Meat Train. like my genre. No, no, no. You Midnight Meat Train is good, Fry, and you should watch it. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I didn't know. I'm not a Clyde Barker fan. I didn't even know it was his story. Midnight Meat Train, well, I will, I will admit, it's a bit up my alley more than anything. And, but it's, my, it's, my it's, suspicion is growing. Uh, so for a little bit of background, Midnight Meat Train appeared in Books of Blood, which was an anthology written by Clive Barker. And the movie came out in 2008, and it stars Bradley Cooper, the same Bradley Cooper, and Vinnie Jones. And, and they're amazing. Yeah. Okay, I've got it out of my system, and to, to anyone who is listening, uh, I was tricked into watching this stupid movie, and I don't recommend you it. You were very much tricked. Yeah, but but that's your job. So good job. Guys. Well, don't worry. There is no tri- I, at least for me. I don't know where Fry's going <laughs> this week, but for me, there is no trickery afoot this week. Uh, I, I am. I'll go ahead and show my hand here for a second. When you suggested this, <laughs> I was really excited. In part because I've already seen it, and oh. the opportunity <laughs> to watch it again was just fantastic. So 
This is my second watch through. Oh boy. And I think you're going to like it, James. One of the things that makes you perfect for this role in the podcast, Fry, is that you like such a wide variety of movies that you, you telling me you like it doesn't really give me any clues. <laughs> yes, it is. You are still very much in the dark about what this movie is going to be. And and literally and, in the dark. And yeah. literally in the dark. <laughs> well, okay. on this podcast, we have almost religiously avoided an actor. We have not featured Liam Neeson. Oh, you're right. Until today. <laughs> oh, now Liam man. Neeson, he, he finally reaches the heights of stardom by being referenced in a movie on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know his agent is jumping up and down right now. Oh, yeah. Liam, Liam you've made it. Congratulations, sir. <laughs> so today's untitled.txt is all Liam Neeson. All right. Excellent. I don't. Re- I haven't seen that many of his movies. You have so seen all of his movies. You just don't know it yet. Oh, that's possible. So our scores are sitting at Fry 42, James 35. The soundtrack titles spoiled Liam Neeson's character's death in this movie. That that sounds vaguely familiar. Hmm. It does do, do we sound get a, familiar. Do we get a year since it's all the same actor? 19 and 99. Hmm. Wait, he wasn't in it's it's I think it's like some kind of pre- Civil War, like some kind of epic. You're probably thinking of Rob Roy. It's not that. I, You know what? I was thinking of Rob Roy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I felt like it was some kind of like political, violent political thriller. Well, no, you're... <laughs> there's a lot of politics in it, but you didn't want to hear about any of them. <laughs> huh. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. He wasn't in The Patriot, was he? No, boys, that was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh! <laughs> That's right. I the, totally the soundtrack to Episode One, released before the movie, had a track titled Qui-Gon, uh, The Funeral of Qui-Gon. Oh, wow. Good. <laughs> Way to go. I love that kind of incompetence. It's so good. Although his status as a star of the genre would solidify much later in his career... This movie was Liam Neeson's first starring role in an action film. Oh, so this is like way before all the uh, Taken and all that. 1990. Stuff. Oh, wow. I assume we're not counting Rob Roy. Um, <laughs> and you said starring role. Yes, starring role. He's on the poster. Was he the protagonist, antagonist? He is the protagonist, but he's an antihero. Hmm. I think I'm wrong about this, but for some reason I'm thinking Enemy of the State. No. I keep confusing him with other sort of middle-aged, grizzled actors. Yeah, there was a part where I almost said The Fugitive, but it's like, no, it's just Tommy Lee Jones. That's that funny. Age. That's funny because I thought it was Get Off My Plane, a.k.a. Air Force One. Boys, that was ah, yes. Dark Man. Oh, he was Dark Man? Yes. Huh. Oh, well, you never see his face, so yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> This was the third film for Liam Neeson to also feature Batman. <laughs> what? <laughs> wait, to so also this is feature Batman. Yes. Wait, wait. So this is not this is not animated. It's live action. I'm not going to answer that question. Ah, excellent. Hmm, interesting. 2014 oh, it's be, is the uh, year. It's got 2014. It's got to be what Batman Ninja or something like that. Nope. <laughs> no, that's more recent. 
Oh, this is this is this is this is the the, the Dark Knight Rises. Is it? No, no, nope. no, 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 no. This this is the first Batman, the first Nolan Batman movie. Nope. Batman Begins. Yeah. No, nope. I didn't think it was that. That's too ev- too obvious. Oh, so it's got to be one of the. Oh, is it is it the animated Red Hood? Nope. No, I. Oh, I know who he <laughs> played. He plays Ra's al Ghul, doesn't he? Well, he he does in, in the Nolan Batman. In, yeah, in the oh, Nolan Batman true. trilogy, he does. Oh, I forgot that but, was the same character because they didn't have like that stupid like it, like Lazarus Pit. <laughs> <laughs> he it, it, he plays a cop it, if it, it helps. He plays what? A cop. He, oh, so okay. Wait, Y'all would not believe oh, how much silence I cut out of this whole section. No, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to have to because we're, yeah, we're I, just like racking our dumb little brains. I'm about to just start throwing out any movie I can think of with Batman licensing it. Uh, <laughs> Suicide Squad. Uh, the Lego movie. The Lego movie. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Nice, nicely done, James. That's the one I never, I never remember to guess when we're talking about Batman. But it's like Russ's favorite. It movie is my featuring Batman. Favorite trick question. Our listeners won't know because it will be edited out. But there was twenty full minutes of silence there. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was pretty extreme. I was drooling. According to Liam Neeson's recollection, the temperatures for this movie were as low as negative forty degrees Celsius, which gray. is the gray is the correct answer. Which is coincidentally where Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same. Yeah, yeah. The storms for the gray were actual weather conditions and were not CGI. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Do they know that they can use CGI for that? It's so much more comfortable to <laughs> film inside this is not in a storm. This is Werner Herzog's The Gray. <laughs> <laughs> we are only shooting with the inclement feather. I don't know why he yeah, talked what? like... Now, now he talks like the nihilist from The Big Lebowski. <laughs> Yes, why am does. I? It's like why am I dragging this canoe behind me? Oh yeah, the reason for that is that every man should drag a canoe over a mountain. Liam Neeson. I, I love starting questions like this. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson expected this movie to bomb, but he signed on. Taken. Yeah, very good. Taken. He signed on just so he could hit, yeah. spend four months in Paris. Yep. I mean, not a bad deal. To gather costumes for 20,000 extras, the costume designer for this movie took out advertisements seeking clothes. As economic conditions were poor in Poland at the time, many people were eager to sell clothing they still owned from the 40s. Schindler's List? That's the one. Oh, yeah. yeah, Nice, nice. You got to it before he even said 40s. Nice, man. Yeah, it was uh, Poland was kind of the big giveaway there. Yeah, yeah. Liam Neeson agreed to do this movie only on the condition that he could do a broad Irish accent. It's one of the few movies where he speaks with an Irish accent. I was going to say, I don't know if I've seen Not that weird taken thing. Yeah. Wait, this isn't Rob Roy, is it? No. <laughs> no this is wouldn't. 2014. Okay. Wait, that isn't Batman Begins, is it? No. <laughs> okay. no. Ross is an Irish Ross Ghul. <laughs> well, he said broad, and I thought maybe... You now know. your mom's going to teach you how to be a ninja today. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, fuck it! On this one. Well, boys, that is a million ways to die in the West. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. He was in that. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's hilarious. I didn't realize that was that long ago. Yeah. In this You're supposed to start movie. these with Liam Neeson. 
Oh, fine. Liam Neeson in this film is a widower (laughs) trying to get over the death of his wife. His real-life wife would die six years later, tragically, in a skiing accident. Uh, It's Taken 2? No, I don't know. Taken Um, 2, Electric Boogaloo. A skiing accident, which I assume is... Uh, No, I I should say that happened in real life. Natasha Richardson, his wife, did die in in a skiing accident. Uh, In the movie, he's playing a widower. But did she die in a skiing accident in the movie? No. No. So there's no connection between skiing or the snow? and Okay, no. that, that was a bit confusing. I got you. Fry, wasn't there a horror movie? Oh, no, that was Harrison Ford. I really wish I could connect the dots on that beginning and ending of a question there. It was Harrison Ford. Don't worry about it. Is that the one with Michelle Pfeiffer? What was that called? What? I don't know what who played beneath? his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The where, she, where he drowns her and then yeah. she haunts him. It's pretty great. I mean, it's not, it's not a good movie, but it's a fun time. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was the most Patrick Bateman thing to say. <laughs> yeah, he drowns a wife. It's a it's a pretty good time. No, I mean the no, it, it's the never mind. It's the whole package. It's not just the wife drowning. That would be that'd be weird. <laughs> well, I boys, that's love. Actually, I know I, I know I know what it is. Oh, it's well, it's love. Actually, <laughs> I don't want to put that one out of its misery. Thank that's you. A terrible Thank you question. For no real lions were used for this film. It took approximately 10 hours to render each frame of CGI because the lion... Narnia. Chronicles of Narnia. Bingo! Chronicles of Narnia. Bingo. Chronicles of Narnia. Oh. Uh, is a real lion? No, uh, well, I mean, Aslan had 5.2 million hairs on his head, apparently. Yeah, he, he voiced furry Jesus. I Je- didn't realize he was the voice of, of cat Jesus. <laughs> Jesus' fursona is a lion. You heard it here first. Lions are felids, but they're not in the same order as house cats. Wait, I got the impression it was a lamb. <laughs> okay, wait are, a minute. Are we doing animal jokes or are we doing religious jokes? Make up your mind. Is B stars just the Bible? No, no. B stars is what happens when like furries make porn that they allow you to put on Netflix. It's yeah. really wild. I bet Paro Itagaki has some weird sex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, do you think she takes the chicken head off? I don't think she takes the chicken head off. I, I, I assume. Yeah, you she don't take the chicken head off. Keeps anytime moaning about he, her cloaca. Anytime he can, anytime he can see her, she has to have it on. Yeah. The second song sung by Liam Neeson is "The Sash My Father Wore," a ballad from the Irish province of Ulster, commemorating the victory of King William III in the Williamite War in Ireland between 1690 and 91. Okay, is that Rob Roy? That is not. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned it at the beginning, and I was like, he thought of it. And then I left Rob Roy off the list yeah. entirely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. It was it was worth it was worthwhile. This can you state the uh, what was the war and the time period again, please? Now, that's a red herring. Oh. Because all you need to know is the song. What was the song called again? The, the Sash, Sash My, My Father, Father War. Wait a second. Wasn't Liam Neeson in The Saints? No, no, that was the that was the other guy, that actor, that Mickey guy. Okay, never mind. This is 2018. Okay, well then I have no idea what this is. Oh, you do Sash know. My father wore. Oh shit! Oh, this is this is this is um um. <laughs> oh my god! This is uh uh. 
Buster Scrubs. The Ballad the, the, the of Buster Scrubs is yeah, the correct answer. There you answer. go. Oh <laughs> man, yeah. I, oh, I would have been so angry if I hadn't gotten that. God, I love that. Well, that was a gap closer there, boys. Oh, that was a good one for you, James. I didn't know I knew that much more about you than Liam Neeson. I'm not going to say I know a lot about him because clearly I don't. But <laughs> you know more because that was a full five to James and one to Fry. So that's Fry Yay. forty-three, James forty. Oh. The gap narrows. Well, I guess we're talking about Liam Neeson. Yay! Yeah, we should talk about a Liam Neeson movie. What do we have today, boys? It is 2019, and it is Cold Pursuit. Oh no! <laughs> Why did? Well, you know what's weird? Whenever you, whatever you just said, what you said, all, what I heard was Taken Six. Taken Six, and and I want you to get that right out of your head. Okay. Okay. So. Right. <laughs> Cold Pursuit. It, it, Cold Pursuit is just a delightful <laughs> film to watch because it, it, you've seen all the Liam Neeson movies. You you had this taken idea in your head immediately. Mm-hmm. As best I can tell, I think the best way to describe this movie is that they were filming a a dark comedy with you know a mob background. You can think of a couple of those and w- with a what background? A mob. War background. Oh, oh, like a setting, you mean? Yeah, Yeah, it's a mob setting, yeah. And Liam Neeson was told he was in Taken 6 and (laughs) plays the whole thing very seriously. (laughs) And 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 the movie itself is actually quite funny in a number of places. Yeah. This whole, you've seen the Muppet Christmas Carol where Michael Caine is playing the role of Scrooge straight and he's surrounded by Muppets. It's that, but Liam Neeson. Yeah, I love that movie. Yes. Oh my God. And here's here's one of the things I think is really interesting about this movie that a lot of movies don't really try to do this or especially don't succeed in it. But I think you kind of can get away with it in in a dark comedy, especially is the really slowly building jokes that, that, <laughs> that like you, you don't even realize you're seeing the beginnings of a joke <laughs> that's going to pay off for you an hour later, but then you're going to, you're, you're going to, for the first time in your life, laugh your ass off at a screen of text. Okay. It is. And I think Russ knows exactly what I'm talking about. I, I have a question because this is somewhat intriguing. So yeah. does this movie have any running gags? Oh my god, it has a thousand fucking running gags. Okay. Yes, absolutely. What about a visual visual like gags that are just like a one shot yeah? Oh, now yeah. one shot? Or, no. Or, it, it, or every, short. every visual back yeah. gag comes back more than once. No no no. I mean like but it only takes one shot to show you the, the gag. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fairly early on in the movie, we see him just plow through literally in a speeding snowplower <laughs> knock off knock this jeep flying into the sky just tumbling down the mountain <laughs> as a, someone he's just murdered that he's he's cleaning up the evidence for is this animated no it is not animated oh okay <laughs> this is all live action wait um, he knocks a jeep with a with a with a oh you said a snow plow i thought i was thinking of a snow skis okay no 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 this is this is a dump truck with a Cowcatcher on front. Yeah, no, that that does track. Yes. Yeah, the, one of the just the early visual gags that I just think pays off really well 
Uh, I guess I should tell you something about the movie. I'm only <laughs> telling you about the visual gag. Fry, I'm, I'm, I'm entirely in your hands, my friend. So, brief overview. We've got this guy. He's the nicest guy in town. You know how we know he's literally the nicest guy in town? The hmm. first <laughs> scene of the movie, or first major scene of the movie, is them giving him the award for the citizen <laughs> of the year, or something like that, in his small town. Okay. Oh, and shit. He's all upset that he has to give a speech and all this. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm really a very meek and mild person. I don't usually give speeches. And this, this is not Liam Neeson. This is a No, this character. is Liam Neeson. They're, oh. they're giving him the Citizen of the Year Award <laughs> because he is the best person in this town. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how that conflicts with what I already know about him. Within <laughs> 24 murders. hours of him receiving this award, he will kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's a curse or something. <laughs> it just happens to everyone who gets the award. Yeah. Uh, no. So while he's doing that, his son gets killed. He gets caught up in apparently the, uh, I'm not going to go into the details. It's, there's no need to do that. But his son gets killed. He uh-huh. gets killed by being given a, a heroin overdose. Oh and my. then the, the gangsters, what do they do with his body to, to get rid of his body? They go to a public park and act like they're like they weakened it bernie's him yeah the like, chair. <laughs> like, they're all, like they're all drunk friends get him set up in the chair and then they're like yeah man i'll catch you later and then just get back in the van and drive off well, i guess and that's then he one just way to slumps do it. over there this movie is set in the state of colorado so they make a couple of trips to denver through the course of this movie now last time denver was played by toronto this time, Denver is played by Vancouver. <laughs> and it's really funny because they don't even try to hide it. Like, they leave him next to a great big statue of a bird. That's like two miles that way. <laughs> I did not know that. Like, if I, get, if I get on the subway from here, it's one stop away. <laughs> okay. I, I believe you, but I think it would be just good for everybody if you took a selfie with that statue that so we statue. could know for sure. That would be pretty cool. So his son gets murdered, and he gets real upset about it. He's just about to kill himself when in walks the other guy that the mob was trying to murder along with the son, but this guy got away. Oh, like and his he, son's friend? Yeah, a co-worker at the airport. Okay. They were both baggage handlers at the airport. And he's like, hey... Don't do it. Uh, your son wasn't really a druggie. He was a good guy after all. And uh, I was the one who was trying to steal drugs from the mob to sell them. And now the mob's after us. That's a uh, hell of a confession. <laughs> and, well, Liam Neeson does beat it out of him. <laughs> ah. So so the violence. So Lee, so Liam Neeson really does think he's in a Taken movie. They're like, Liam Neeson well, goes I know where they hired to me. blow his own brains out to beating up the man who just walked into his shop very quickly. <laughs> the phrase tonal shift doesn't quite cover it. Yeah. And from then on, he is only of one mind, which is to kill everyone involved with the gang that killed his son. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's sort of where I figured we were going. Yeah. What I really love is that the gang, like like all the mobsters that killed his son, gets yeah. so much more character development than he does. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's a little bit like a Batman movie. Yeah, kind of. 
the mobsters all have nicknames. There's there's Speedo and there's the Eskimo and <laughs> the Viking and all this shit. The Eskimo <laughs> is a black man. The Eskimo uh, okay. is a black man. This is true. From New York, I think he said. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Maybe he just likes those little the pies or something. Oh no! Don't worry. He goes into his whole backstory. Yeah, uh-huh. he he gets more backstory than Liam Neeson does. <laughs> Liam Neeson's backstory is he's citizen of the year and he has a snowplow. What more do you want? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's citizen of the year and a reason to kill. He's, <laughs> he's married it. to. It's over with the snowplow. He's also married to Laura Dern, who we see in I think three total scenes before she leaves him. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I like Laura Dern. She's a good. Actress. Yeah, no, she's. I don't know, like. What happened to have her in don't this know, movie to speak I don't know why we, we paid Lord Russ. Russ is raising his hand on a podcast. I know what happened. Hey, Laura, we need you to give Liam Neeson nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's a big check. I do. Also, when she leaves him, the way she leaves him. This, again, because this movie is, is a comedy pretending it's not. <laughs> he gets home. And he just looks around, and he, his character does not really visibly display emotions in any way, uh, which I suppose really makes it a lot easier for Liam Neeson to do his job. <laughs> and so he gets, I was going to say home. that there you have to pay Liam Neeson higher rates. It, yeah. Like there's acting and there's acting, and if you yeah. want acting, you have to pay for it. <laughs> so he, he gets home and he sees the closets are empty, and he goes in the bedroom. And he sees there's an envelope on the bed. He goes ahead and opens it. And there's nothing on the paper. (laughs) Sealed a blank piece of paper in an envelope and left it there. Oh, what a bitch. It's so mean. (laughs) Just what a way to leave somebody. Like, it's the ultimate way of saying I've got nothing to say. It would be great if it just said, like, Dear John. Like, (laughs) that's it. That's it. and from that moment, she will never again be seen in this movie, uh, nor mentioned in any way, shape, or form. It would it would be even better if it was just like a, an emoji picture of a deer, <laughs> and then the word John. <laughs> anyway, so so Liam goes out. He, he does he does get some, a few kills in. The first few kills are hilarious, <laughs> uh, and he starts racking up the body count. And he's and he's got a great system. Every time he kills somebody, he takes yeah. their body back. He's Drives a big snowplow, so he's got plenty of room to hide bodies in there. <laughs> he takes it up to the river by the waterfall. He wraps them up in chicken wire, and he dumps them in to fall over the waterfall. And we see him just repeat this over and over again. Just same shot, truck parked in the same place. He's like, got another body what's to the, throw away. What's the chicken just, wire for? Oh, d- try, do not tell him what that chicken wire is for. He he okay. will explain what the chicken wire is for in the movie. In case okay. You're curious. Okay. I am slightly curious. There's okay. Go ahead. There's there's. I'm starting to get a sense, but there's some things I can't nail down yet. So the murders trigger a gang war because, <laughs> uh, of course, they do. Oh, because they think the rival gang is. They dead. think the rival gang has taken out three of their dealers and <laughs> stole ten keys of coke, and so we better kill them. I assume he didn't take the drugs. I, I he took them away from them. I think he right, just. I, I think he just like chucks them in the snow. Yeah, he, right. he scattered he's, them he, into the snow. He's not going on like a coke rampage. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> Cocaine no, bear. It's, a, a moose is going to come across that. They don't yeah. have moose in Colorado. No, a bear I, is going to come across that. Yeah. The, or a moose. Are, I mean, I'm sure there's a moose somewhere. But there <laughs> are, the one moose. There, there are documented cocaine bears. So, yeah, they, it is, it's they're a known fact they like to it. eat cocaine. Yeah. They're, they're making they're, a movie about cocaine bears? It's called well, Cocaine Bear. Specific, 
It's one specific bear who ate, what was it, five pounds a of cocaine? A lot of cocaine. Like, it was, like, a, even for a bear, it would be a severe overdose. <laughs> Holy shit, I want to watch this. It's anyway. <laughs> I lo- that is a perfect title. The Like, you don't need to know yeah. anything more about the movie. What are we going to see? Cocaine, cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. It really tells Fuck. you everything you need to know. If, yeah. if, some, if somebody asks you what's it, what it's about, then you know it's time to maybe, like, dial down the friendship level of, <laughs> yeah. We're going to see Cocaine Bear. Oh, what's that about? It's a cocaine bear. Mm. Go home. Go yeah. to your room. <laughs> Why did you ask that? Do you think it's a metaphor? Yeah, it's not, not a metaphor. A <laughs> if they try to put metaphor in that film, the fans will be enraged. We're not. This movie's not winning the palm to or this. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like watching a train crash, except the train's a bear and the tracks and are the contents are cocaine. Cocaine. <laughs> Okay, sorry, we got... <laughs> we didn't get sidetracked at all. We're, we're talking about the no, same movie. We, I'm glad you brought that up, Russ. I really want to see that when it comes out. <laughs> so, God. while the gang war is starting, mm-hmm. uh, Liam Neeson pays a visit to his brother, who is a former gang member. Uh, yes. Very convenient. That is and pretty convenient. Comes along and says, hey, so I'm going to kill the leader of the one of the biggest gangs in town. Uh, <laughs> any advice for me? <laughs> and the brother's like, you're a fucking idiot. You're not going to kill the leader of one of the biggest <laughs> gangs in town. What makes you can think I can kill people? And he's like, well, I've already killed three people. So really just going to keep doing it at this point. It's like Darren. It's like, so he tells him, look, you don't, you're not going to kill. Darren, you're an architect. What are you doing? <laughs> you, you drive a snowplow for a living. I've known oh. what your career is. Oh, and you man. can't be a you can't be a serial killer. So he I tells want, him to hire a killer instead. That is a pretty good job for like a revenge hero movie because it's at the same time powerful, but like um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's not boastful. It's like it's a needed. It's a necessary job. Humble. It's powerful sure. and humble at the same time. He's, yes. Go on. I forgot <laughs> what I was talking. No, you, I you, thought you, there was more to that. Very no, good. I, I forgot what I was talking about. Go ahead. Yes, it is a good job for action movie stars. Man, I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about Cocaine Bear. I apologize. <laughs> I, I need you with... We're just a little bit more. There's not... No, there's, I'm here. There's a little no, bit I'm, more left. I, I'm here for Taken 7. So, he, he tells him to hire the Eskimo. And I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about the Eskimo because he's he's so fun. And it really does explain the tone of this movie very well. The Eskimo has a brief but telling arc in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) We're told about the Eskimo that he doesn't fly, so you buy him a train ticket into town. And then you pick (laughs) him up there. And and as this explanation is happening, we're seeing Liam Neeson go through through it as well. The first scene we see him in, we see the Eskimo in, he and Liam Neeson are in the car being driven by a cab driver to the motel where they're going to discuss the details of the murder they want to do. Yes. And I guess that is an awkward car ride. I hadn't really thought about it before, but it is, sure. The driver, he had Stand By Your Man playing <laughs> loudly on the radio as they're driving and just sitting awkwardly together. I'm, I'm almost getting like Guy Ritchie vibes out of this It's movie. almost there. It's almost a Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Like, it, like Guy Ritchie could have made this movie and it just would have had more cuts. And better timing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So the Eskimo finally breaks. He says, hey, can we put on something else, some real music? <laughs> is there music? literally any other song? And then the next and, song is Raining so, Men. Well, so the driver asks, like, what do you want? He's like, I don't care. Just anything but but no Kanye. And <laughs> so what does the guy play? Barbie Girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I guess that's better than Stand By Your Man. I, yeah. Well, no. Is it? No. They get back to the hotel. They do their little negotiation uh, where... He's, he's trying to get some more money and all that. Yeah. And then he's, he sets up the deal and he's like, all right, you want me to go kill the Viking, the leader of, of this gang? Sure, why not? So he goes to the Viking's house and he knocks on the door and he introduces himself. And he says, hi, I was hired to kill you <laughs> by like a guy and you're the head of a gang organization. I thought maybe you could offer me more. What do you think? Oh, that, oh, that was probably the wrong move. Well, I mean, it was seemingly working. Uh, but at, at the very end of it, the, <laughs> the the Viking goes into this long speech about how important loyalty is. And me, while he's giving the speech, the guards all subtly start moving around yeah, the room yeah, to make sure yeah, he can't yeah. get out. Yeah. And at the end, he does get up like he's going to try to leave. And he sees the number of very large guards who are there who are not going to let that happen. Right. And the guard just looks at him and says, could you step off the rug? <laughs> don't want to have to replace that rug man so that is the the eskimos whole arc in this is to be hired by liam neeson tell this guy that a dude named coxman wanted to get him killed that's that's the character his name is coxman his name is coxman <laughs> and that leads to the next of course mistake because i told you he had a brother who used to be involved with the gangs that's the coxman they think it's going to be and so they oh. go out and kill him instead. Everyone like has the best like the Coxman brothers' death scene is really one of the best ones. Although the Eskimos was quite close. I don't know. Like, there's a lot more funny moments in this I could tell you about. There's even some I took notes of that I, I skipped because I'm just in such a hurry to get through this. <laughs> We're about midway through the movie. Do you want to know more about this, or are you you interested? You think you might like to see this? Yeah, I I, I want to know what your favorite moments were. So this one moment, it's very early in the movie and it lets you know what's going to be happening in the movie. And it is called back to a little bit later that I thought was kind of neat. They go to the, the morgue to identify the son. So it's Laura Dern, Liam Neeson, a, a cop and like a random, you know, nurse in there. And then the coroner, I guess. And yeah. so he pulls out the, he, he the sun is stored in one of the bottom drawers of the cadaver cabinet. I don't know if there's a name for those things. The freezer. The freezer, sure. He's on the <laughs> bottom drawer. And so he pulls him out. And then we watch for a full minute as they squeakily lift this table through with like a, a, a clamp they're spitting to, to raise it up to, to table height. Everyone just kind of looking around. Because as this squeaks every time it goes through... And it just, it lets you know, like, hey, we're having fun with this movie. Have fun with this movie. Come on. Well, they, yeah, it could be a potentially very tragic scene, the death of a child. But they're, but then they let you know, like, oh, that's not the tone yeah, of this movie. This is a funny death of a child. It's fine. <laughs> and try and, I want to build on Fry's thing. Try yeah. and pick out how many running gags are in this movie if you decide to watch it. Because <laughs> yeah. th this, anytime there is a strenuous activity, the director sits on it 
and you have to watch <laughs> the whole thing happen. So yeah. at one point, Liam Neeson is like dragging a body. You watch him drag that all the way across screen. And, yeah. and, and the, there's a bit where the rival gang is like putting some gear into a truck or something. And they and get on the back the of the whole... truck with the elevator. Yeah, and watch that, that the whole the... ride all the way up. <laughs> now, that, mo- that moment's even funnier than you think. They're not loading up gear into that truck. They're... Six pallbearers holding oh, that's the, right. the gang members' sons. Yeah, it's a casket. I forgot. Casket. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> While they all stand there and the, and the elevator just slowly goes up. <laughs> okay. And we're going to watch right. it the whole time. Okay. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Any other questions about the movie? No. I want to... I wanna, do you have any sort of... Do you want to cap this one off or before we turn it over to Russ or... I really, I haven't mentioned for for want of not really spoiling it, my favorite running gag throughout the movie. But I, I think you'll enjoy it. I, okay. I very much am interested to hear your thoughts. Okay, oh, Russ, would you philosophize us, please? Yes, of course I will. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot about remakes last week, and Cold Pursuit is a remake remade by the same director. Really? Okay. So Hans Petter Molen directed the Norwegian comedy action film In Order of Disappearance, starring Stellan Skarsgård in 2014, which in Norwegian has a much better name. And it's Kraft Idioten, which in English means prized idiot. (laughs) He then remade it in 2019 as this movie, Cold Pursuit, with a different cast and in English. Now, it's basically shot for shot. One of the goons makes fun of Nels Coxman's name, because Cox, right? In the original Norwegian, the main character is called Niels Dickman. <laughs> yep. So I guess we should add a new rule to last week's rules for remakes. If you want to remake your own shit, do. Yeah, yeah. So Liam Neeson became an action star at the age of 56. Yes. He is 70 years old now and is still turning up in action movies. That shit is bananas. And this movie, y'all compared it to like Guy Ritchie earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost has that feel. But for me, it plays more like one of those slice of life animes, like Way of the House Husband, (laughs) except that every vignette is a murder. Right, right. And, but here's the thing, and once again, we have marketing to blame. This is not a revenge thriller as it was marketed. This is oh, yeah. a critique come spoof of revenge thrillers. And it tells you right at the start. It opens with an Oscar Wilde quote. And it's, <laughs> and it's the some cause happiness wherever they go and others whenever they go. <laughs> and I don't know what marketing was thinking on this one. Like the fact that this has like a 60 on Rotten Tomatoes is criminal. As Fry pointed out, this movie starts with him winning best person in town, and then he murders everyone. <laughs> like, yes. I have no idea how you get a Hollywood marketing job. Every time a movie, like, belongs to more than one genre, you'd think it was written in fucking Sanskrit. They have no idea what to do with more than one idea. And the comparison that came to mind instantly was uh, Last Action Hero. 
And for those oh, who don't okay. know, Last Action Hero is a 1993 action comedy directed by John McTiernan. It is also a fabulous combination of satire and homage and uh, just sticking it to the action genre as a whole. And it's one of my favorite movies to this day, and it was marketed as a straight-by-the-numbers action explosion thing. Now, here's a good story about Last Action Hero and just how stupid they were about it. Columbia <laughs> Pictures paid half a million dollars to become the first company to take out advertising space on a rocket. <laughs> okay? Columbia Pictures spent one half of a million dollars to have Last Action Hero stuck on a NASA rocket that was scheduled to be launched in May 1993 which was like a month before this movie was going to come, Last Action Hero was going to come out. It was going to come out in June. However, rockets don't work that way. And space and weather <laughs> don't work that way. And so there were a bunch of technical problems. And so the launch got delayed until August. Oh, two months oops. after Last Action Hero had bombed. Also, who was that ad for? Like the ISS? Anyway, that like that's just, yeah. that's Hollywood marketing for you. So Cold Pursuit is exactly this, betrayed by the marketing. Liam Neeson has never been a believable super soldier, and this movie <laughs> plays exactly to that. His character Lux through the entire movie. He turns out yeah. to be really good at disposing of bodies for reasons that you'll find out. <laughs> the minute a goon gets the drop on him, he has absolutely no recourse. And that's exactly yeah. how it should be. It's not like Taken yeah. where it's like, oh, now I'm going to murder you with this John Wick pencil. It, it's like, yeah. <laughs> he's just a guy. There's a yeah. reason that the original title is Prized Idiot. His son dies before the credits. <laughs> and his wife, Laura Dern, I swear, like five minutes. She's not five minutes further into the movie. <laughs> A man with no family, with nothing to lose. Like It's beat for beat for beat. <laughs> now, I, I said that the goons, the bad guys, have more character development than Liam Neeson does. Yeah. Every goon has a name, a personality quirk, and a backstory. <laughs> yes. You get a backstory for everyone who dies in this movie. And so when Viking kills a random goon for incompetence... That's not a random goon. That was Mustang's boyfriend, Dexter. And you feel sad about it. <laughs> yeah. Now, here is my favorite thing about this movie. And how, like, even, like, like Liam Neeson, we mentioned earlier that he's acting around Muppets. Like, he was the only one who didn't get the joke. And it could not be more true. Because he torpedoed his own movie. In an interview, ostensibly promoting it, Neeson was talking about trying to channel rage and the need for revenge for this character, and so he related it to a story from 45 years ago. Oh, right, this this story. This thing. And he said he had a white female friend who was raped. So he went around town with a crowbar, hoping he could find a black guy to beat up. What? what? Now... He didn't do that thing. Like, he didn't hurt anyone, ultimately. But why would you tell that story? It's almost the kind of story a prized idiot would tell. Like, you have to wonder if he didn't start to buy into his own mystique a little bit. Like, maybe I am in yeah. Death Wish. Because yeah. at this point, he'd been making action movies for 11 years. 
And after that, the New York premiere for the movie was canceled. So yay, marketing! (laughs) But maybe, maybe it was on point. Because, as I said, Liam Neeson is 70 years old, and that's just the kind of shit that boomers say right before they complain about cancel culture. Yeah. This movie has a total body count of 25. And there is not one consequence for any single person in this movie. (laughs) Wikipedia has this listed as an action thriller. It is not. It is satire, satire, satire. At one, this will only appeal to gun nerds, but at one point in the movie, he has the action sequence where he makes a sawed-off gun. Yeah. He saws off a Winchester Model 70 with a what? scope on it. What? Now, that's a, a win- That's a hunting rifle. It's supposed- a hunting rifle. It is a bolt-action <laughs> hunting rifle. You do. Well, you, why would you not get a shotgun? Like, what, that's it, the whole point. Yes. Now, this is a bolt-action rifle. Yeah. And it, it, it keeps one, one shot in the chamber. Mm-hmm. And so when you pull the trigger on this thing, you have to work the entire action to chamber yeah. another bullet. Yes. They knew exactly what they were doing. The only reason they he, did that. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Does yeah. he saw the stock too? Yes, he said he both the barrel <laughs> and the stock. You cannot shoot that. Yep. <laughs> you would have to yep. if you wanted to hit anything with 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 the barrel and the stock sawed off of a what is it like three oh eight or thirty out six? It's chambered for everything, to, but but they're all hunting you, rounds. You would have to jam it in someone's chest and fire if you wanted to hit anything, and even then the recoil might still break your uh, break yes. your arm. And like, the, and he <laughs> does like he doesn't break his arm, but like all right. it's, it's all at close it range. Like and the that. only reason the only reason they did this was they they would have a weird looking gun on camera yeah it's like yeah. this thing it, looks uh, strange i, I want to make sure you're picturing the right thing because not only did he saw off the you know, part of the barrel and part of the stock but he left the giant scope yeah. on it he doesn't so, remove the scope <laughs> the scope is still there and it's the serving, size of the rest of the gun yeah now. i was gonna serving no purpose creating extra weight extra space the whole point of sawing something off is to conceal it oh my god and of course yeah. if he wanted something more concealable he lives in colorado they sell handguns from vending machines yeah you also you could just get a handgun which is sort of the point i also want to um mention this to anyone listening I'm not a gun expert or anything like that, but I'm fairly certain doing this to a weapon is is completely illegal. It do doesn't not matter. Do this. Also, murdering <laughs> well, 25 people. Well, Texas is not illegal. everywhere. Well, no, the, the murder is. Yeah, we're we're clear on that. That's not that that's not cool. But no. uh, I I I'm pretty sure modifying a weapon to conceal it is is probably pretty illegal. So now Liam Neeson said that this was going to be his last action movie. <laughs> but as of 2022, he has three more in various stages of production. So I'm glad we all learned something. What I want to know is where are those movies based? Because that's probably where he wanted to travel. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe he what, that story he told. Like, what the fuck, dude? It's so like uh, I, <laughs> it's wild. Okay. <sighs> Here's the thing. <laughs> what, where was the original movie from? Uh, Norway. I almost want to watch that version. Watch both. <laughs> but that is not the version you have presented to me. That is not. That is correct. All right. Even though I just got burned <laughs> by watching a movie that I didn't like. You won't like, get burned by this. I am going to watch it 
and uh, and we'll we'll see what it's like. And I may or may not count all the running gags. If there really are that many, it might get kind of a lot. Um, but uh, I, my only concern about this movie is whether or not I'll jive with the sense of humor. But it sounds <laughs> funny, so we'll see. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is I, I cold black. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it opens with his son dying and his wife leaving. It, it probably should be a dark comedy. Okay. Uh, wonderful. Good job, guys. Do either of you have any recommendations for the listeners? Well, the jury's still out for me on freaking Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes. I would like to briefly discuss that with you, Russ. Uh, we had a little bit of a parting away <laughs> in our opinion. The, the first episode, we both agree, garbage. wasn't very good. Yes. I, I wouldn't say it was garbage, but it was not very good. The second episode, I rather liked. It wasn't bad. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a good time watching it. I, I it, w- it wasn't scary, but it was fun. Uh, the third episode was decent. I haven't seen the fourth one yet. You haven't either. Okay. So, oh, it'll be interesting to see where we go. What about you, Fry? Any recommendations? So, I, I don't know yet if I'm going to recommend this. So I'll, I'll keep you updated as we go along. But I finally decided, my curiosity had to be sated, and I started the new Game of Thrones show. Oh, yeah. I've seen a few episodes. So I watched the first episode, and I'm interested. I think I I am cautiously optimistic about it. I may come to regret all of this being recorded and distributed over the internet where it can never be deleted. Fry, that's how I felt. And then I stopped watching after episode three. Well, the, maybe this can be a regular segment. We'll see. Have I given up on Game Have of Thrones? Have I given up on Game week? of Thrones? So here's what I found. There's a YouTube channel called Alt-Shift-X. And he has a very nice voice. It's very relaxing. And he covers, he recaps each of the episodes. I find that more interesting than the show. Because he goes into the history of the world and all the other stuff. So I watch that instead of the actual episodes. Because, not because I dislike it. I think I, they just, they done fucked it up the first time. Like, I'm just kind of, I'm still sour about that. Maybe I'll come back and watch the Dragon People show, like, down the down the line. But, uh, yeah. Well, so but, what do you think of the, uh, based on what you've seen of the summaries of the episodes... Am I going to enjoy watching this show? Well, I mean, he's a fan of Game of Thrones, but I mean, yeah, it makes him sound really entertaining. Yeah. No, I think you should keep watching and let us know. All right. Well, You could be our, our lovely little canary. Tune <laughs> in, in next minds. time on Is Fry Still Watching Game of Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to uh, Is Fry Still Watching Game of Thrones? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, any Anyone have any more dumb shit they want to say before we sign off? Spin the wheel. Oh, right. Oh, yes. that, that's not Our dumb shit. That's deal of movie genre. That's necessary shit. I uh, I meant to get to that, and I didn't. A hush comes over the studio as we prepare to spin the wheel. God damn it. Okay, spin it again. Four and what? God. Yeah, we're in drama. drama. I'll take it. Okay. Okay. My only request is just don't make sure it's not boring. Because <laughs> I've Fair seen enough. some foreign dramas in my time, boys. And some of them were really good and some of them were boring. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Wait. Should I just do the sign off or should I? 
Should we try to build into it with a with a snarky comment? Snarky no, comment about snarky what? Comments. Russ, don't look at me in that tone of voice. And huh? thank you, everyone, for listening to Hey James. Watch this. Have a great day, and don't drink bleach. Thank you.